Hello and welcome to Counterthought, a podcast dedicated to my counterthoughts about mainstream media, politics, and culture, and the impact on our nation. I am your host, Brian Fletter. You can follow this podcast on its Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast, on Instagram at counter underscore thought, and on Twitter at counter underscore podcast. Hello and welcome to episode five of Counterthought, Distrust in Media. This is a special birthday edition. Your host here is now 35 years old. And I'm not going to lie, I got some mixed feelings about turning 35. Uh, part of me says, hey, you're still young. Um, you're below the average of the, or halfway through the average life expectancy. But then the other half of me is a little more morbid and I'm thinking, wow, I am creeping closely on my life being half over. And that's kind of sad, but um, I have a, a great family, a, a great life. So I'm trying to focus more on the positive and my friends for sure. And my family have done a great job giving me a great birthday. So distrust in media. How did we get here? Let me take us first on a little bit of history lesson like I tend to do. Uh, I think in the first four episodes, each one have given a little bit of a backstory for context. So here we go. The history of American media and journalism started with newspapers. And newspapers, as we know today, are pretty much all gone. Anything that does exist, barely anything is in print. It is now all digital online. But newspapers started in the early 1700s. And at that time, you know, is shortly after the colonization of the United States. It was rare for a colony to have more than one newspaper. And then after 1750, a distribution system was developed, and that helped lead to the distribution and circulation of more newspapers. So more news could be communicated throughout the colonies and the states that were being created back in the 1700s. And then as time went on, from 1750 to 1792, the Post Office Act was passed in 1792, and there was one newspaper produced for every five citizens on average. But 50 years later, by 1840, there were about three newspapers produced for every one person. And not three different newspaper entities, but printed copies of newspapers. So from 1792, we went from about one printed copy for every five citizens to 50 years later in 1840 to about three newspapers for every one person. That is a huge turnaround. And then the what's called the Gilded Age, which is post-Civil War to the mid-1900s, began. And during the Gilded Age, newspapers began to expose political scandals, like today. But many newspapers then also affiliated themselves with political parties. And, and does that sound familiar or not? Today, there's definitely left-wing and right-wing media. Very few media outlets are center. The closest you'll get is a slight left or a slight right uh, lean, or it could be, depending on whose article you're reading, which opinion piece will determine if you are leaning left or leaning right on that given day. After the Gilded Era became the progressive and modern era, which consisted of the addition of radio and television. National public broadcast system for radio was developed in the United States in the 1920s for World War I, and our president at the time, FDR, used it to reach the nation directly and did not have to rely on print media. Fast forward to the 1960s, 
in the 1960s brought about nightly news on television from the major networks that are still in play today, NBC, ABC, and CBS. At that time in the 1960s, it was groundbreaking that the Vietnam War footage was broadcast during that time on TV, and that catapulted the nightly news into the forefront of news media. The next era was the, is considered the modern era, which pretty much brings us up to today. The modern era included the addition of cable news and the internet, and pretty much marked the end of print. Cable news began with CNN back in the 1980s, but CNN got off to a rough start, and it wasn't until the 1990s during the Gulf War that CNN really took off. Cable news today also includes the likes of MSNBC, CNBC, CNN, Fox News, Fox News Business, Newsmax, and a few others are your primary news stations on on your typical cable TV package. And then the internet, as we all know, got started, really picked up in the late 1990s. Uh, And that's when we saw newspapers begin to adopt digital because the newspapers saw that print was going by the wayside. So they quickly, as quickly, I guess, as possible, some a little more slowly than others, moved from print to also having a digital platform with the internet. That internet also, though, brought the addition of other news outlets. I don't know if any of y'all took part in it. I did not, um, maybe because I was a little too young at the time. But definitely Gen Xers, I'm sure, and maybe some of the older uh, Generation Y wires out there uh, maybe blogged at the time. So, And you could create your own website, so anyone could just read the news and basically create their opinion piece or pronounce themselves a journalist and go out there and report their own news on the internet, just like we can do that today. And then after the modern era comes the current era, which is social media. Social media makes it even easier now to distribute information, and which, in my opinion, that is part of the problem or one of the contributing factors to some of the distrust that we have in the media today. Social media allows journalists, commentators, news outlets to post directly to their followers, and that information can be shared with the followers of followers in an instant. And it completely changed the format of journalism, the process of journalism, going and in, in fact-checking and confirming sources and so on and so forth, and going through the motions of having to get something published and then that being read and distributed across multiple outlets. With social media now, you can see something and share something instantly. It's no stopping. It spreads even faster than wildfire. Now some statistics. You know I love some statistics. It helps back up claims, right? Or disprove them. So the Edelman's group completes an annual trust barometer of the media. And its most recent poll revealed that fewer than 50% of all Americans acknowledge any kind of trust in the mainstream media. I'll repeat that. Fewer than 50% of all Americans acknowledge any kind of trust in the mainstream media. Edelman's also posed the question, Journalists and reporters are purposely trying to mislead people by saying things they know are false or gross exaggerations. 56% agreed with that statement, that journalists and reporters are purposely trying to mislead people by saying things they know are false or gross exaggerations. And 59% of Americans agree with this statement. Most news organizations are more concerned with supporting an ideology or political position than with informing the public. And finally, 61% of Americans believe this statement, that the media is not doing well at being objective and nonpartisan. 
Now, if you watch the nightly news at all, especially cable news, I'm sure you are well aware because each station talks about the other that there is definitely left-wing media and right-wing media. And each within each group, left-wing, right-wing, you have uh, varying degrees of left-wing or Democrat liberal policies and political beliefs and virtues and so on. And the same with the right. You have varying degrees. You have more center and more like fact-based, more old school, you could say, left and right. And then you have your extremes on the left and your extremes on the right, and then everything in between. So some of the um, right-wing outlets today consist of Fox News, Newsmax, Blaze, OANN, Town Hall, The New York Post. Some of the left-wing outlets are CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, uh, NPR, Washington Post, and The New York Times. Now, I can already hear the leading argument from those that believe their favorite media outlet always reports the news accurately and does not provide any gross exaggerations or false statements saying, it's only the right-wing media that does this. Or, conversely, it's only the left-wing media that does this. However, according to an October 2020 study by the Pew Research Center, 34% of registered voters in the United States identify as independents. 33% identify as Democrats, and 29% identify as Republicans. As you know, the two-party system, so if you took the independents and divide them up to whether they are left-leaning or right-leaning, the numbers in that poll show is this. 49% of all registered voters either identify as Democrats or lean to the left, the Democrat Party, while 44% identify as Republicans or lean to the GOP, to the Republican Party. So a 49-44 Democrat-Republican split. So what's going on? It can't just be only the left-wing media makes false statements, and it can't be only the right-wing media makes false statements, because then you're left with a 49 or 44. How do you get to the 61? Well, I think there's a couple ways. In order to get a 61% of American voters thinking that the media is not doing well at being objective and nonpartisan, that means you need to have more than 50% of the Democrat or Democrat-leaning voters plus more than 50% of the Republican or, or Republican-leaning voters in order for that to get that 61%. Or you have to have voters of an entire political party, so all 49% of Democrat-Democrat-leaning or all 44% of Republican, Republican leaning, and then add in approximately 25% of those voters from the opposing party to agree with that statement. And how many, <laughs> and what is the likelihood that 25% of one of the two parties is going to agree with the other in today's environment? Not many, not many. So what happened? How did we get here? I believe that the distrust in media stems from a few factors. I'm going to go through each one of them right now with you. First, I think politics and an individual's political affiliation has become stronger than religion to a lot of the people. I remember looking back at the Trump presidency and hearing stories about how they would poll the American public. And you would hear stories about family members getting together for that, that first Thanksgiving in, in, 26, in 2017 after learning about how their family members voted in the 2016 election and not going to Thanksgiving 
or maybe going to Thanksgiving, but putting something out there within the family group text saying, hey, we will not talk about politics during Thanksgiving because things are going to things are going to go bad. And that's sad. Can't even talk to your family members or you will have to put little um, guardrails up just to make it through a celebration, a family gathering. Or if you if people express a differing viewpoint, words are thrown out that those people are either racist or xenophobic or anti-insert issue here or murderers, you name it. We've heard them all over the last four to five years. If you have a different view, just sit down, shut up, and this is what you are. That's what we hear. And that's not productive. I think a second factor is that the media decided it is more lucrative or advantageous to pick a side of the aisle to walk down instead of walking down the middle. But how does that make sense? Wouldn't you think that you can have a bigger audience if you just walk down the middle? You could shake hands on both sides. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Instead of just walking down one side, the left, and saying, hey, hey, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Turn to the right. It's like no one's there. Or vice versa. But I think that's where the advantageous point comes into play. If you pick a side, you are locking in your base viewers. Much like in a political party going through like the campaign, you want to identify your base, get them locked in, that's your main group of support, and then bring in others from different areas within the party. But lock down that base. Then also I think the media decide it's more lucrative or advantageous to pick a side because it's easier to have an influence over your viewers. By locking in your base, you're practically guaranteeing that minimum viewership because those viewers have chosen to watch or read your news coverage. And if you don't pick a side, as I was getting at earlier, and you just try to walk down the middle, then you risk those viewers who know what they want to hear in the news and know what they believe to going elsewhere and finding that news outlet that will give them what they're looking for. Also, the majority of people don't like conflict. So if you are walking down the middle and you offer a viewpoint because you are trying to be center, and you offer a viewpoint or report a story that is contrary to what someone wants to hear, a viewer could just up and leave to avoid that conflict. So if you don't choose a side, you're going to get left behind because the viewers are going to choose a side. So the media, media outlets, choose a side and they play to that base. But that creates a problem because as we're finding out in the past few years, a lot of the media is trying so hard to play to that base that it has led to false reporting and inaccurate statements, inaccurate stories. Some are flat-out lies, just to play to that base and control the narrative. I believe a third reason why there is distrust in the media is because of actual false reporting to control the news narrative and to ultimately shape the minds of the viewers. If you remember, when I was going through the history lesson at the start of this episode, that this is similar to the Gilded Age, which was over 100 to 150 years ago. Crazy, right? Something that happened 100 to 150 years ago when the newspapers were aligning themselves with political parties, we're seeing that come back around today. Now, we've even seen in the last uh, year or so, six months to a year, we've seen the cat being let out of the bag, uh, saying the quiet part out loud, that during the last election, the 2020 election, the media was only focused on reporting stories that were going to hurt Donald Trump's chances at being elected. And you probably also heard the term thrown around being Orwellian and everything and controlling what people see 
through the news. If you don't report it, it's as if it didn't happen because most people, which I'll get into here in a second, a lot of people don't take the time to go research news stories and get the news from different sources and doing their own research. They just want to turn on the TV, scroll through their phone, look at headlines, see whatever they see, hear whatever they hear, and they are good to go. No, no fact-checking, no, no pushback, no questions, nothing. Just want to hear what they want to hear and go and accept it as truth. And that's how the media gets away with it. The media gets away with false reporting because we, the people, allow them to. And that's the fourth reason why there is so much distrust in the media today. If you notice, there was a common thread between each of the three previous factors that I identified. The common thread of those three, and now the fourth, is that we, the people, the American people, the voter, we are the ones that have chosen to treat politics and political parties like or stronger than a religion. It is we, the people, that choose to be okay with the media picking a political side and giving them our viewership. And it is we, the people, that allow media outlets to get away with false reporting because we are too concerned with feeling good about our party or our candidate or we, want, or we just want to feel negatively towards the other party or another candidate that we actually are not holding our media outlets accountable when they do something wrong. We make it too easy for media outlets to just push whatever news they want to push. And that has to stop if we want trust to be restored. So how do we restore that trust? How do we restore the trust in the media? How can we as a, and this is big, big scale, functional society, how can we function if we can't trust the media to report accurately? Where are we going to go to find the facts? And you have to have those facts in order to hold those that are powerful accountable. Who is our source of truth going to be? I already said that so many of us today are too lazy to go do our own fact-checking, to compare stories and see what's true and what's not true or what's most likely true and what's most likely not true. Granted, I understand we have jobs and that's not our job. We're not all journalists. But there is some responsibility that falls to us, I believe, to make sure that we are not having the wool pull over our eyes. And the idea that we cannot trust the media is part of the reason why people have their own truths to stories that are reported. You hear the phrase a lot nowadays, this is my truth, this is your truth, this is true to me, this is true to you. How can there be so many truths, aside from personal experiences, but when it comes to a story, there should be just one truth, right? Not multiple. It's because of this lack of trust in the media and our desire to not experience pushback that we just choose to listen to the story that aligns with our beliefs. And the phenomenon of confirmation bias exists today for sure. Here's an example. Let's say a Republican right-winger watches Fox News, Newsmax, OANN, so on and so forth, only right-wing media outlets, and that is, their, that is their news. That is their source of truth. And it's like, oh, the New York Times, trash. Oh, the Washington Post, trash. And then, oh, wait, wait, what is that? 
Oh my gosh. The Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, ABC, NBC, MSNBC. They reported a story that that Fox News reported. So it must be true. Yes, yes, bravo. Way to go, left-wing media. Woo! Yeah. See? Look at that. They reported the truth. I knew there was still some hope that some hope still left out there. That's confirmation bias. You slam a media outlet over and over and over again all the time, but then once that media outlet comes reports or publishes a story that you agree with that confirms your belief or something you read from an outlet that you trust, boom, you're right there for it. That's confirmation bias. And that happens all the time. So how can the media expect to earn our trust again? And how do we know when the media is telling the truth? Right now, we are in a boy who cried wolf scenario. If the media as a larger group decides to stop misleading and start reporting the news, to not hide stories, act as if things didn't happen, and to report the news. There should be no shortage of information out there. There are a million ways, hyperbole, for us to receive news stories and another million outlets to give us those news stories. But how can the media restore our trust and how do we know we can trust them without getting hurt again? See, this is a relationship. Well, I think one way for the media to restore the trust would be for them to start reporting the facts. If you have a right-wing media outlet and a left-wing media outlet saying the same thing, then where are you going to go to say that it's inaccurate? Highly doubtful that in today's political climate that a right-wing media outlet and a left-wing media outlet are going to get on the phone with each other, the CEOs, and go, hey, man, we have a really good story here. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page and we're going to report the same thing. Okay, good. Let's go. Yeah, that's not happening. So I would think we could trust if a typical left-wing outlet reports the same story as a right-wing and vice versa. Two sources, different sides of the aisle, report the facts. That would be a built-in way, I believe, to fact-check media outlets and that those outlets should strive for that. But this isn't going to be repaired quickly. (laughs) Hardly. Uh, It seems like we're becoming more divisive each and every single day. And I believe at some point it's going to snap. And hopefully when it snaps, or hopefully just bends and doesn't breaks, but when that happens, I hope we snap back to the center and report the news. Report the facts, then let the public, let you as an individual do what you want to do with the news. Report it as fact, and if you don't want to believe it, that's on you. If you want to add a little bit of slant to it when you read the story or when you tell your friend, like playing telephone or whatever, then that's you. But the media outlets, they need to be functioned as a source of truth and get themselves back to the truth and aligned with the center of the aisle. And it's up to us, as I mentioned earlier, that common thread is we the people. So we the people need to hold these media outlets accountable. If a media outlet is not doing right by us and not telling us the truth, why do we continue to support that that outlet? Go elsewhere until you find that outlet that will support the truth. Desire to know the truth and have the truth reported. Don't get the wool pulled over your eyes. 
Don't let that happen to you. That doesn't serve you, and then that doesn't serve the collective American public any good. I really hope that we can restore this trust in the media. It's crazy how partisan it is, and it is hard to decipher what's true and what's not. You want to believe that the outlets or the people, the reporters, the journalists, the commentators, the opinionists that you trust, that that they will not do wrong by you. But I believe, as in episode one, about responsibility with great power, that those individuals, those media outlets, also need to recognize that they have a responsibility with their great power. They have a responsibility to be honest with us. So it's going to take both. It's going to take the media outlet to do right by us. And it's going to take us to hold the media outlet accountable for when they don't. All right, that's it for this episode. Remember to subscribe and engage with me on Instagram at counter underscore thought, on Twitter at counter underscore podcast, and on the Counterthought podcast page on Facebook. Thank you for listening to Counterthought.